0: I know it's hard to catch up, but if if you do miss class, and you can, uh, you can, if you go under HBF's website, under podcast, you can hear the most uh, current uh, class teaching, and uh, Pam, I do have, uh, you were missing a lesson, I think. And, and I have that lesson two. lesson two. Remind me after class if you would. I mean I have it in my bag and Thank you. so uh, let's be turning in our Bibles. Let's see. I was <clears throat> trying to think if I had a let's look at the book of Revelation chapter two first off. because there's something that ties in here with uh, what we're going to read in Jeremiah 4 so I don't know how everybody is with the pace we're going uh, and by the way did everybody get a handout? if, if you didn't I think they're back with yeah, yeah. Edward scissor hands. <laughs> so uh, somebody read for us in Ephes- or, I'm sorry Revelation 2, and read the first five verses of Revelation 2.
1: Unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write these things, saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience, and how thou canst not bear them which are evil, and thou I tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and has found them liars, and has borne and has patience, uh, and for my namesake has labored and has not fainted. Nevertheless, I have seen somewhat against, <clears throat> I have somewhat against the. Because thou hast left thy first love. Remember, therefore, from once thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly and will remove thy candlestick out of this place, except thou repent.
0: Okay, and uh, so uh, the Lord is commending this church at Ephesus. This is the first church he writes to here. And he knows it, he knows their works, <clears throat> and he commends them for doing these good things. And, and then in verse four that Kevin read, he he uh, he says nevertheless he's got something against them because they left their first love. <clears throat> and uh, historically that means some things. but for, for us. Uh, we we can kind of fall out of love with the Lord. Isn't it? We, it can be subtle. It can be over time. And so, in verse five, we won't spend a lot of time here, but he gives him kind of three things. Uh, he gives the church at Ephesus three things that he tells them to remember. He, he remember from where where you. <clears throat> You know, all of us need to be reminded of the gospel, don't we? Just his death, burial, and resurrection. The freshness of a, of a walk with the Lord. Uh, and, and so we don't want to ever get past that. And he says, remember where you were. Where you, and, and it's kind of these three R things. He says, you know, you need to repent. And he says it twice there. Just And it's just that turning like... This is where you were, and over time you, you've you've lost your first love, or you've left it. It doesn't say you've lost it; it says you've left it. And he says uh, he says to repent and do your first works, and, and, and another word I'm going to put for that is just uh, return. It doesn't use the word "return" there, but but I did when I'm when I'm reading Jeremiah four. This is what I'm thinking of. I'm thinking of Ephesus. So so now let's all turn to Jeremiah chapter four. This is where uh, we've been trying to do one chapter per week, and we'll see how we get along today. And so uh, now somebody else read the first two verses of. of Jeremiah 4, if they will.
2: <laughs> Belinda, you got it? Mm-hmm.
0: Jeremiah 4, 1 and
2: 2. Yeah. If thou wilt return, O oh Israel, said the Lord, return unto me. And if thou wilt put away thine abomination, out of my sight, then shalt thou not return. And thou shalt swear, the
0: Lord did this in truth, in judgment, and in righteousness, and the nation shall bless, and in him, and in glory. Thank you. <clears throat> and so I don't know if you, you can tell, but uh, we, we all know what a verse in the Bible is, but uh, mm-hmm. uh, hopefully I'm saying this right, but a passage we say a passage, and it's kind of from paragraph marker to paragraph marker, and so that—that's what I had. I, I don't know if ever, does everybody have a paragraph marker at chapter at verse three in your Bible? No, Pam, you don't. I do
2: not. Isaiah forty-five. Is that what you're talking about?
0: No, no, just a paragraph marker. Mine uh, doesn't
2: have paragraph marker.
0: Yeah, some Bibles don't. Just, yep. I think it's something like that. It's kind of a paragraph marker. Anyway, I've got a Cambridge Bible. and There's a paragraph marker. Does yours have one? Uh, Verse you, uh, 3. I had to add them into my Bible. Oh, really? My... Huh. Okay. Well, uh, anyway, they—they, they, the, there may be a little different uh, markings in different Bibles. Uh, but what you read was word for word. And... <clears throat> So he's, he's, God is pleading with Israel, uh, if thou wilt return. And uh, look, look at chapter 3, and, and I'm going to read this just uh, one page over, chapter 3, verse 1. At the end of verse 1 of chapter 3, does everybody see it? it says, Yet return again unto me, saith the Lord. Uh, so constantly the Lord is saying to return. Look look at verse 12 of chapter 3. There it says, uh, Go and proclaim these words toward the north and say, Return thou backsliding Israel. Look down at verse 22 of chapter 3. Return ye, O backsliding children. So the Lord, and here in, in verse uh, one of chapter four that Belinda read. If thou will return, so God. Uh, there's at least seven times here in the book of Jeremiah that God is saying, "Return, you know, repent, come back. Uh, I love you. I care about you. I'm your God, and uh, you're my people." Uh, but look at chapter five, verse three. Five of verse three. <clears throat> O Lord, are not thine eyes upon the truth? Thou hast stricken them, but they have not grieved. Thou hast consumed them, but they have refused to receive correction. They have made their faces harder than a rock. They have refused to return. And so it's a choice, isn't it? Rather people will turn, whether God's people will uh, turn and return. I guess repent is to turn and re- return is to... Come back, uh, come back again. <clears throat> so I gave you a blank there, just the word "return" on your handout, if you want to fill that out. <clears throat> and God, God kind of makes a if-then statement. Uh, this resonates with Jim, I know, with kind of some computer logic. Uh, he says, "If thou will return," and then at the end of verse uh, one of chapter four. Then shalt thou not remove. God won't. God won't take you away to captivity if you just return. And so I put that on your handout. It, uh, if you will return and put away abominations, then you will not uh, be removed, and uh, you will not. uh, And you will swear that the Lord liveth, and other nations shall be blessed. It says at the end of verse two that Belinda read. So uh, I gave you. A blank in your teaching point there that Judah had left her first love and needed to remember repent and return so repent goes in your second blank and so if you were to ask uh, Randy foster uh, he he got a good definition for repent I think it's basically that a change of heart <coughs> that leads to a change of action. And maybe to a change of life or something like that, and because you see that. Uh, in fact, l- let's look at a good definition for repent. It's in Ma- Matthew, I believe it's chapter nineteen, it might be twenty. Matthew nineteen. This is where I believe the Bible gives a definition of repentance, and it's actually uh, Matthew twenty-one and I'll I'll put it here on the board it's Matthew 21 and this is just a cool little story 28 through 30 Uh, Edward do you have that? Matthew 28 I'm sorry Matthew 21 28 to 30
3: Matthew Yep,
0: 28 through 30. 28 through
3: 30. Do you want me to read it? Please. 28 through 30. But what think ye? A certain man had two sons, and he came to the first and said, Son, go to work today in my vineyard. He answered and said, I will not. But afterward he repented and went. And he came to the second and said, Likewise... And he answered and said, I go, sir, and went not. Whither of them twain did the will of his father?
0: How far was I supposed to go? Yeah, uh, you can finish that verse.
3: They said unto him, the first... Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the publicans and the harlots go into the kingdom of God before you.
0: So the father's will is that these two sons would go and work in his vineyard right that's what he wanted done and and the first one says uh, <clears throat> he said no dad you know today's not a good time i got i'm i'm online today i need my screen time but it says afterwards he repented and went so uh, uh you know after time he's like man my dad has been so good to me I, I need to forget what i had planned and i just need to go do what my dad said right so that that's re- it, it was a change of heart that led to a change of action. He 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 changed his mind and decided to do what. The, anyway, I just think that is a good definition of of repentance. And the and the other one said, "Yeah, Dad, I'll go," but he didn't go. So he he, he kind of repented the other way, didn't he? So I found a really
1: good definition in the Bible. Of what? Of repentance.
0: What do you, what do you have?
1: 2 Corinthians uh, 7, 9 and 10.
0: Yes.
1: It says, can I read it? Sure. Now I rejoice not that you were made sorry, but that ye sorrowed to repentance. For you were made sorry after a godly, godly manner that ye might receive damage by us in nothing. For a godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to... Uh, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death.
0: Mm. Yeah, yeah, that explains it pretty good. Those.
2: That's like repenting after you get caught.
0: Yeah, the second kind.
2: Repent,
1: but, nah. Yeah, the. Did you really mean it?
0: Yeah, the sorrow of the world worketh death. So they're just sorry they got caught, kind of. Yeah. That's good, Pam. All right. Well, let's let's go back to Jeremiah four. That's where we're studying, and we're hopefully learning some things about ourselves by looking at Judah. That that first section I, I labeled the, the Father's nature towards Judah is he wants his people to return. But because they said no uh, God God interacts with them as a judge, I believe. And uh Somebody read verse 3, if they would. Uh, Pam, do you have that? Yes.
2: <clears throat> For thus saith the Lord to the men of Judah and Jerusalem, Break up your fallow ground, and sow not among thorns.
0: What do you think of this uh, fallow ground here? What do you think that means?
1: I'm thinking
0: of the peril,
1: uh,
0: uh, Yes. Yeah, hard, hard. And I so that that ground that in fact that's what i had you put in your blank was uh, hearts and three three times in this chapter i mean that that's what you know i think it was david that says you know man looketh on the outward appearance but god looketh upon the heart uh, maybe that was samuel uh but I uh, put on your hand that the fallow ground represents uh, idle, idle ground. It's uncultivated. It's unproductive, and it's it's untilled ground. Would
1: the opposite of that be hallowed ground?
0: Yeah, you know, the opposite would be uh, fertile. Uh, would be usable. Maybe maybe hallowed ground. Uh, I didn't think about that. And what you said Kevin, about the parable of the sower, uh, at the end of what Pam read, it says to sow not among thorns." And, and that, that I think is what made me think of the parable of the sower in Matthew 13. There, there's a verse there in Matthew 13, if you want to go there, uh, Matthew 13:22. And it says, He that received seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word and the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches, choke the word and they become unfruitful. So the, the Lord even tells Jeremiah, Don't even sow your seed with judah because their fallow ground there's uh well i think they do sow the seed of the fallow ground but don't sow it among the thorns there because it's going to be uh, unfruitful and it's because they're caring about the world and the deceitful riches of the world so anyway i just think that was that's a cool verse. And mm-hmm. uh, Does somebody want to look up that Hosea reference? Because twice in the Bible, the, the Bible uses the, the phrase hallow, a fallow ground. Uh, uh, do you have it, Jim? Yeah, I'm in Hosea 1012. 10, yeah. I like Hosea. probably. 1012. Sow to yourselves in righteousness, reap in mercy. Break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord till he come and rain righteousness upon you. Yeah, so there's... Same thing. Break up your fallow ground. It's time to sow... What does it say? Sow righteousness? Time to sow righteousness. Yeah. And so at a time where Judah... The Jews were in the land. They were in the promised land. They were where God wanted them to be, but their heart was far from him. And so he's like, break it up. And... Uh, you know, sometimes you have to work the soil. So hopefully that's what we get when we come to church. God's, you know, breaking up any... He, he wants us to be tenderhearted, but but we get calloused and, you know, people hurt us. We we get uh, calloused and damaged and discouraged or whatever. And uh, the Word of God can penetrate that, though. Amen? And so he, he's telling them in the next verse... Uh, circumcise yourselves to the Lord. Let's look at verse 4 of chapter 4. Circumcise yourselves to the Lord and take away the foreskins of your heart, ye men of Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem, lest my fury come forth like fire and burn that none can quench it because of your evil doings. And so it's, it's a second way to look at our heart First he calls it fallow ground and then he calls it an uncircumcised heart. And, you know, that's very offensive to the Jews because they're saying you're you're acting like the heathen nation. You're you're acting like the Gentile world. And I've called you to be this peculiar people. You're to be uh, separate and... uh, you know in the world but not of the world but and so it, it takes a circ and and you know they they circumcise with a knife don't they and it, it's just like the word of god is that sharp two-edged sword that can penetrate uh the, the 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 spirit from the and the soul and the joints and the marrow and it's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart and so God's telling them to do that—to stop being stubborn, stop being stiff-necked, stop opposing me. Instead, be tender-hearted and not calloused. And and uh, then, uh, but because they they were, then verses five and six gives them uh, his, his judgment. There's evil coming from the north, and who is? Well, somebody read verse 7.
3: The lion has come up from his thicket. That's it. (laughs) And the destroyer of the Gentiles is on his way. He has gone forth from his place to make thy land desolate, and thy cities shall be laid waste without an
0: inhabitant. Amen. You need to. Uh, wow. That's <laughs> Alexander Scorby. It's. Yeah. You're. Uh, it reminds me of on your Bible app when you have yeah. people. Yeah.
3: Reading. When you have the dramatized version.
0: <laughs> I like it. Yeah. Uh, so, so who do you think that lion is? That uh, destroyer of the Gentiles? Historically, who was that? Oh yeah, that's everybody. <laughs> Jim got it. It's uh, Nebuchadnezzar, the, the king of Babylon. He he was coming.
1: Nebuchadnezzar. Good old Nebuchadnezzar Jesus is the Lion of Judah.
0: Yeah, yeah. But uh, he's not the destroyer of the Gentiles. He's yeah, well, yeah, it would be, wouldn't it, yeah. if it was Christ? Yeah. So he's the Lion of the tribe of Judah, but this is that uh, the adversary is as a roaring lion. He he's not the lion, but he's as, he comes as. So Nebuchadnezzar goes in your blank there.
1: He's a type of Antichrist.
0: He is. He's a type of Antichrist. He persecutes the Jews, and. Uh, Jim note, noted, I think, when you taught about Babylon and Daniel, that uh, he was actually called uh, God's servant. Though he, yeah. even though he uh, took away the people to captivity, you know, he, he was God's instrument of judgment. Is what he was. So he was serving the Lord in that way. So Judah refused to repent. And on your handout, so. So they would not have to lament. So I thought that was kind of a good play of word. They they should have repented, but they had to. They lamented. They were sad. They were. Johnny Cochran here. That's what it says in verse. It's like a Johnny Cochran. Yeah, quit if don't fit. You know. (laughs) Anyway, that kind of came to me as I was writing this. And shoot, I meant to bring. in, in verse 9 through 13 in verse 9 it says and it shall come to pass at that day saith the Lord and in discipleship 2 I know we do a little breakout and talk about how that day represents uh, the tribulation period and I, I had a whole study I meant to pr- print that out and bring it today so I, I failed you on that but uh, We've said many times that what Judah is going through is in our Bibles not so we can just see this story of how his history unfolded, but it's it's also prophetical because, like you said, Kevin, you know Nebuchadnezzar represents the Antichrist, and Jeremiah and and the Jews here this picture is what happens in the tribulation period where god purges his people and uh this horrible thing comes upon them but it's because he's trying to woo them back to himself and he he's uh pruning and purging and he he doesn't utterly destroy them even though he allows them to be taken into captivity so we kind of experience that too don't we we uh as his children, he, he chastises us, but he does it for our good. And he doesn't utterly destroy us. He, he loves us. And he warns us. And he, he warns us in advance uh, of the judgment, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. Well now look at verse 14. Uh, hey Pat, we're we're in Jeremiah 4. Okay, thank you. Sorry I'm late. That's all right. It, I see out. there. It's treacherous. It That slipped about an hour in Belton. It's just Really? Yeah. I know 71 just had kind of one lane plowed and
1: I barely tried to turn off of where loves was and turn toward loves and I was just barely creeping around and my truck goes all the way around like that right in the middle of the road oh man uh,
0: all the way down
1: <laughs> I backed yes.
0: out Backed out. not even on purpose
1: back this next guy came by and gave me a thumbs up like, <laughs>
0: <laughs> we so used so to nice, do nice we used to do donuts on purpose but yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, Started, right, so. That's cool. Uh, well, we were talking about God. God's talking about the fallow ground of their heart. He talked about the circumcision of their heart, and then look at verse fourteen. And uh, Pam uh, Anderson, do you have that one? Four fourteen.
2: It says, "O Jerusalem, wash thine heart from wickedness, that thou mayest be saved. How long shall thy vain thoughts?"
0: lodge with right so now he's telling them to wash thy heart he tell them to circumcise their heart break up the fallow ground of your heart now wash thy heart and uh, you know in proverbs it says that none of us can make ourselves clean and i think i think this is maybe a little distinction between maybe the old and new testament because sanctification, I preached about it here last month at the end of the month. And I heard, you know, God says to sanctify yourselves. And then he says, for I am the Lord that doth sanctify thee. So there, there's a sense that we need to sanctify and do right and follow him. And and then he does kind of the passive part about And I think the balance for us is uh, being versus doing. I don't know if you ever thought of that, but because in our flesh, we can't clean ourselves, but we can show up for church, we can read our Bibles, we can pray, we, we have an active part in our sanctification, and through that... You know, the Lord does sanctify us. And we, when we do believe the gospel, he does cleanse us. He does make us clean. And and uh, were you going to comment on that too, Kevin?
1: Yeah, it's because we, we have the ability to wash our outside of our vessel. And he has the ability to wash the inside.
0: Yes. Of our. That is, yeah. So, there was that... Uh, I don't know if that's Z or. So we're. And. Uh, so there is a. A cleansing.
1: Sanctification.
0: So yeah, I just think it's neat that, you know, whether it's the Old Testament or New Testament, God, God wants our heart. He wants His people to return to Him. He wants us. Uh, to follow him and uh, Babylon became God's instrument of chastisement for Judas' sin we just talked about that in verses 15 through 18 um, is kind of the, the reference there now, now my, my teaching point here Let's all turn to Romans 12. This is kind of a famous passage. Look at Romans 12 with me. Can anybody quote verses 1 and 2 of Romans Romans 12? You think you can? Yeah, well. Probably, oh so. wait wait now I can I can do the second verse I can the Let's see well, say it nice and loud Jim Alright uh, hey, well, let us get there let me get there first I want to let let put, me get there, put you on the spot Oh beseech ye brethren by the mercies of God that you present yourselves holy and acceptable unto the Lord Your body's Your body. a living sacrifice Oh yeah that's what that's what to say <laughs> Keep going <laughs> now keep going Oh uh, now I'm off the I'm off the Start river. again Beseech uh, you, brethren by the mercies of God and you
1: present your bodies a living sacrifice unto the Lord holy and acceptable but well, this is your reasonable service uh, then it's about to transform the kind of renewing the mind but
0: um, yeah be not conformed
1: yeah be not conformed to this world but, but be transformed,
0: transformed by the renewing your mind so, yeah that's, that's, to about that's pretty close yeah it may prove What is a good and acceptable and perfect will of God so uh, what I had you put in your blank there was uh, like Judah we need a spiritual brainwashing you know you think of somebody being brainwashed as being a bad thing but our minds are are dirty they're unclean and we all have impure thoughts and so the Bible says right here uh, to be transformed by the renewing of your mind and uh, if we if we uh, were to look at the Greek word for transform, it's uh, metamorphosis. It's where we get the word metamorphosis. It's that that caterpillar changing into the beautiful butterfly. And so we all need to be transformed when we renew our mind. We wash our mind. We get a spiritual brainwashing of cleansing our thoughts which uh, we're doing right now. And God is telling you to, to wash your heart, uh, repent, return unto me, circumcise, break up the fallow ground, get clean, follow me. And it's, uh, it's like we all need that being slapped awake with the word of God. Ow! Oh, <laughs> Woo. oh man. Thanks. Thanks for doing that, Pat. Ed needed it.
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Gotcha.
0: So that anyway. So because of their unwillingness to turn to him, he brings about judgment on them. It's
1: not. It's not a physical.
0: No. No, it's a it's a spiritual circumcision of the heart. <laughs> and so, I think here in the last section of this chapter, we see Jeremiah's nature towards Judah his heart in verse 19. So we're back at Jeremiah 419. And look what he says there. My bowels, my bowels, I am pained at my very heart. My heart maketh a noise in me. I cannot hold my peace because thou hast heard, O my soul, the sound of the trumpet, the alarm of of war. And so, can you imagine uh, Jeremiah being, you know of the promised people, the, the 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 Jews, the Israelites, he's in Jerusalem and God is saying that, you know, you're gonna be taken away by this destroyer of the Gentiles, cause Nebuchadnezzar had already was kind of the the king of the known world. And and uh Anyway, so Jeremiah is just pain and he's anguished in his bowels uh, and his soul for his people. And somebody read verse uh, 22 for us. For my people is foolish, they have not known me. They are sottish children, and they have none understanding. They are wise to do evil, but to do good, they have no knowledge. Yeah, so so he mentions these six things here that Pat just read. My people are foolish. So these are the things that God is bringing judgment for, and this is these are the things that Jeremiah is heavy hearted for. Do you ever feel like this about our country? My my people are foolish. They've not known me. They're, they're sottish. They have no understanding. They're wise to do evil. Isn't that the truth? And they have no knowledge to do good. And so, uh, I, I'm grieved for our country. And I, I think, think about things. I mean, I, I'm pretty good at camar- compartmentalizing. I can kind of just focus on my job, or you know, my family, or you know, you know what what is going on in my life. But uh, when you step back and you look at our country. We are a foolish people. We are not. We don't know the Lord as as a country, as a nation. Individually, we do, but uh, we've lost understanding, and we're we're wise to do evil. I thought this week. Uh, I don't know if you've seen it, but the uh, founder of Hustler Magazine died, and I just read a little thing about him and how he started Hustler Magazine in 74, and I think there was an attempt on his life in 78, and he was crippled. He was in a wheelchair for the rest of his life. Uh, I just wonder if that was even some judgment against him, but he he still still—he—he he was very outspoken about uh, Christianity, against Christianity, and uh, I think he had a lot of sparring going on with Jerry Falwell back in the day, and Anyway, he was uh, very proud of his just dirty magazine. He was, he was wise to do evil. He was, uh, you know, how, how many uh, young boys and men have been led astray uh, by his publishings, you know? And uh, anyway...
2: I, I know every word in the Bible is like, it's for a benefit. I mean, it's there for a purpose, and so I wonder, uh, I haven't heard anyone talk about it, but in 22 it says, for my people is foolish. So people is, mm. that's one thing. That's not my people are, like, mm. in, you know, wow. over, you yeah, know, yeah. here and there like you have some people. But my mm-hmm. people, we're his people. Not
0: just Jim and um, yeah, but
2: mm. the, we are all mm. like, people is yeah, cool. people
0: is well, that's good yeah, yeah.
2: It,
0: yeah. we singular. all that is good thing. Mm. yeah huh yeah mm-hmm. yeah something to circle
1: <laughs>
0: that's why the good James yeah it's a funny way to say it but yeah that's good yeah, it,
2: yeah, does, it really doesn't it doesn't, doesn't as far as English <laughs> speaking that's you know, correct, you
0: know, What's that? Yeah, but, you know,
2: I just at, uh, yeah, yeah. That's what I thought. I. we never know that. Oh,
3: that he was using some pretty harsh words there, wasn't he?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he, uh, Ke- Kevin, can you look up a verse for me in Romans? Um Romans sixteen this is one that Pastor Brian mentioned some. It's uh Romans sixteen nineteen.
1: Okay. Ready? Yeah. For your obedience is come abroad unto all men. I am glad therefore on your behalf, but yet I would have you Wise unto that which is good
0: and simple concerning evil. So, so God's will is that we be uh, wise concerning good, but simple concerning evil. And uh, when I when I listen to Brian pray, he prays that sometimes, just, Lord, you know, help us to be wise concerning good and 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 simple. In other words, kind of ignorant of of evil things. Um, anyway, that I thought that was a good uh, companion verse to verse twenty-two that Pam read. <clears throat> now, uh, in in verse twenty-three, uh, the prophet goes prophetical. Proverbs, or I'm sorry, Jeremiah four verse twenty-three. I beheld the earth, and lo, it is without form and void, and the heavens. And they had no light, and, and so, so what I think here, it, I gave, I gave you a blank there. God's people compared to planet Earth in in fallen state. So, because that that's what Genesis, one verse two. I, I put it on your hand out there, <clears throat> and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters, and that that's very uh, similar to what Jeremiah says. He beheld the earth, and lo, it was without form and void. And that's what uh, Genesis one two says: the earth was without form and void. It's it's exact same wording and so that's how his people were at that point they were fallen they were kind of aimless and empty and uh, they were to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ and and the earth was without form and so the spirit of God moved on the face of the water and I'm going to talk about that here in just a minute Uh, we've got Time. I gave you a cross reference, uh, Belinda. This may have been what you were talking about Isaiah 45 18. I put it on your handout. For thus saith the Lord that created the heavens, God Himself that formed the earth. God formed it, but then it became without form. And it says, He established it, He created it not in vain or not void. There was a purpose for it. He formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord, and there is none else. And I'm going to end our day talking about that just a little bit. But uh, read verse 27. Somebody read uh, 427 here.
3: For thus hath the Lord said, The whole land shall be desolate. Yet
0: will I not make a full end. Amen. Look at uh, Jeremiah 5.10. I want to focus on that little phrase, full end. In Jeremiah 5.10, it says, "...go ye up upon her walls, and destroy, but make not a full end." And so, so my point here is that uh, God is going to judge His people, but He's not going to completely destroy. He's not going to fully make an end to them. You know, you, you hear these uh, MMA fighters: "Is I'm going to end you? I'm going to, I'm going to end you." Or, you know something like that yeah. and God says you know I'm I'm going to judge you cuz you won't turn you won't repent you won't come back to me I love you so you're going to have to get a spanking yeah. and uh but I'm not going to make a full end of you in in verse 18 of chapter 5 5:18 nevertheless in those days saith the lord I will not make a full end with you so several times here, and I gave you three or four other verses, uh, look at that Leviticus one, Leviticus 26, I hope you don't mind uh, jumping around a little bit, but uh, Leviticus twenty-six forty-four. Pat, I'm
1: in Leviticus now. All right. 26,
0: 4? No, 26. I mean right, uh, 44. Right, 44. Exactly. 26, 44?
3: Uh, 26, what I? 26, 44.
0: And yet for all that... you right Who's got it? I got it. Do you
3: want me to read it? Yeah, Gord Head. Gord Head. Oh, Gord Head. And yet for all that, when they be in the land of their enemies, I will not cast them away, neither will I abhor them, to destroy them utterly and to break my covenant with them, for I am the Lord their God.
0: Yes, so so even when they're in the land of the enemy, God's not going to fully make an end of them. I, I think that's just very prophetical that uh, Jer- Leviticus is very prophetical. of What happens in Jeremiah's day, isn't it? Mm-hmm. E- even though you're in the land of the enemy and you're in captivity. Uh, excuse me. <coughs> excuse me for those people online. <clears throat>
2: you the people in here? Wait. Yeah. I used to say something like that. Really? And I'm uh, like.
0: You know, we got in trouble, but he didn't bring us to a full end. <laughs> I Can't remember. How <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. That sounds serious. Yeah, you're in trouble when you hear.
1: Yeah.
0: You're gonna. I'm not gonna kill you, but <laughs> it's not I won't gonna turn be. turn
1: you in. Your end. i
0: have the problem. <laughs> okay, back to Jeremiah chapter four, in verse 28. Uh, Jeremiah 4.28 the Bible says for this shall the earth mourn and the heavens above be black because I have spoken it and then he says two things here at the end I have purposed it and I will not repent neither will I turn back from it so so God purposed it. He had a purpose for the. So that's what I had you put in your blank there. Your last blank is purpose. So when when God does chastise and spank his people, he has a purpose for it, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. And, and at, at this point, he says, I'm not going to repent of it. It's funny to hear God say, I'm not going to repent it. I mean, all, always up to here. He says, you know, if you return, I'm not going to let you be taken. But since you said no, and let me just give... This is a good counseling thing. Uh, you can work with someone until they say no, can't you? And they can say no in their actions. They, they can say no verbally. But if you're kind of laying out people's options, that, you know, this is what the Lord's will is in your life, and He, he desires for you uh, to do this or not do that, and if you just kind of thumb your nose, so at some point you say, well, you know, okay, then uh, God's going to have to judge it, or, you know, it, it, it's on you, because we have to be good watchmen, and we, we try to warn people, and, uh, Anyway, he says there at the end of of 28 that he uh, will not repent and he's not going to turn back from... You are going into captivity, Judah. And so in verse 29, it says that they're going to flee. It says the whole city shall flee for the noise of the horsemen and the bowmen. They shall go into thickets and climb upon the rocks every city shall be forsaken, and not a man dwell therein. So, so when Nebuchadnezzar does come, they, they flee, just like the Jew flees to the mountains in the tribulation period. They're like flees. And uh, nope, they're not like fleas; they're just fleeing. Hey, Steve, show the smallest first. Yeah, no, <laughs> no, that's the smallest sin in the Bible. It's in First Corinthians. It's called sin. flea fornication. <laughs> the smallest sin in the Bible. Oh, that's uh, F-L-E-A. F-L-E-A. flea. Yeah. F-L-E-A. Anyway, uh, that's funny. Who, who told you that, Pat? Do you remember who? Yeah, that's who I... Yeah, yeah. Anyway, verse 31, it talks about a woman in travail. We know that that uh, is the Jew in the tribulation period. And I was going to have us read the first six verses of Revelation 12, but we won't because I want to get to my illustration here as we close today. And let's all go to uh, Genesis 1 we've got uh, six minutes
2: <laughs>
0: uh, Genesis 1 and hopefully this will be a good illustration to end on because Jeremiah in his in his uh, prophecy he's talking about the earth and how it's like his the people that are See here. I'm oh, get a little, I'm gonna get a little more cord here. Yeah, I'll do this. So, if you look at uh, Genesis one one, who who can read that?
1: Oh, I got it. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the
0: earth. Okay. And so we have a. Uh, so we have, in, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. How right.
1: I said heavens. Sorry.
0: Okay. So
1: no, there's only
0: one heaven at
3: this
0: point. Yes, and... Uh, Not three. There's three heavens. Yeah. At least, that we know of. Yeah. <clears throat> and so... Uh, Let me do it this way.
1: So, at this
0: point, there's no help. What?
1: There isn't. You didn't
0: make <laughs> uh, l- let's keep. Let's keep moving here. <laughs> Genesis one two. Uh, maybe somebody else read that one if they would.
3: And the earth was without form and void. The darkness was
0: upon the face in the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face in the waters. Thanks, Edward. VPOS. Now, uh, we know that God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. And so, uh, what what I liken this to... uh, You know, when we're born, uh, you know, we're not uh, we're not saved, but but we're innocent, right? The Psalms even says that the children are innocent, and if you think, you know, I think of the earth, you know, God God created. Uh, the earth uh, pure and, and whole, and it says, uh, You know, He's light, and in Him is no darkness at all. But it, it says that the earth be, became, it was dark and without form and void. And so I, I look at, let me get a black one. Yeah. Uh, the, the earth became uh, darkened. And, uh, you, you know, as you and I grow, <clears throat> and we, uh, at some point, we're not only sin by nature, I mean, uh, wherefore, as by one man, sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. At, at some point, you and I are not only sinners by nature but we're sinners by choice and uh, <clears throat> at some point we're lost aren't we okay. and may- maybe we don't know exactly when that happens but at some point we know we're sinners and, and our heart condemns us and hopefully sin becomes exceeding sinful like Paul says and so uh, at some point we become lost right so so uh, children and uh, Pam and I have grandchildren, and our children uh, are not saved when they're born, but but we, we we would say they're safe they're safe because they're innocent, and it says in, until the law uh, sin is not imputed to them, it's not counted against them. So so read what happens in uh, Genesis one three now. Somebody.
3: And God said, Let there be
0: light. And there was light. Alright. Thank you, Edward. So now and notice it says let there be light. You know uh let has to do with choice. It's it's like uh allow. Like when we're done here, let's go into the sanctuary. Let, Let's—you don't have to, but let's do that. And so th- this person, when we share the gospel with somebody, and uh, what we're saying is, "Let there be light." Hey, friend. Hey, coworker. Hey, relative. Let, the, let there be light Jesus is the light of the world and in him is no darkness let's all look let's close with this 2nd Corinthians because this just illustrates uh, what the first three verses of Genesis say look at 2nd uh, Corinthians I think it's 4 no I think it's 6 Hold on just a second. Let me find it. Now, Second 2 Corinthians 4. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 3. And we'll close here. It says, But if our gospel be hid, it is hid, hid to them that are lost... So, right now, the gospels hid to them or that are lost. The spirit needs to move on the surface of the water, the face of the waters. <clears throat> Verse 4, In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel, who is the image of God, should shine unto them, For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. Now look at verse 6. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So God is commanding, let the light shine, but it's people's choice whether they let it And they accept Christ, isn't it? Because it's hid to them that are lost. They're in darkness. And uh, the God of this world blinded them. And uh, so that was just kind of my last point that creation and recreation pictures the new birth. And anyway, I just like that. Those three verses fit with being born fresh innocent new and then darkness falls on the face of the deep darkness uh, you become without void and without uh, meaning and uh, somebody shares with you the gospel and you let the light come in and it is good amen
3: I bet if we went through the rest of it we'd see like fruits of the spirit we could like I
0: bet yeah
3: kind of walk through the rest of it that
0: is not bad Well, brother, why don't you pray for us? You're fired up. (laughs) Pray for us.
3: Father God, we just want to thank you so much for, first of all...